Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Pirkei Avashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. Today's Mishnah is Perak Aleph, Mishnah Hay, Chapter 1, Mishnah 5. Yosef ben Yochanan, who is the pair of Yosef ben Yoezer, Ish Yushalayim, Aymer says, that your home should be opened to the multitudes, and the poor should be um, B'nei Beisecha, they should be part of your home, part of your family, and you should not um, have much conversation with a woman. That's talking about your wife. And the reason that we know that the Mishnah says it's talking about your wife is because it says, it doesn't say, it says, so, how much more so with the wife of your friend? From here, Rabbi say, that anybody who has um, increased sicha with a with a woman, gorem causes bad to himself. Baitum Torah causes causes batala, causes disconnection from the words of Torah, and so for Yoresh Gehenim. In the end, he's going to inherit Gehenim. Um, the the First, so first of all, what do the three pieces have to do with each other? Um, the the Bartanura says a few interesting comments here. The Bartanura says that your house should be open like the house of Avram Avinu, which was open on every side, that people were able to come in from every direction. Um, if anybody knew, it was built on a, on a crossroads so that there was openings in every way, and that's that people can come into your house wherever they need to. So that's what it means, the house should be open the and then the Aniyam B'nei Beischa, the poor people should be members of your house, that he says a fascinating comment. He says that they should be members of your household. The way he learns it is, is that they should be your servants. No, they should be your house help. You should hire Jews to be your house help. And he says the words explicitly. He says, is better than a Jew is benefits from your, um, from your money and property rather than um, Zerah Canaan, somebody from the, uh, the the offspring of Canaan that is Aru, that is cursed. So he sees this whole thing of Yebeischa, of Yehuaniyim B'nei Beisecha, he sees it as being um, a piece of advice to have Jewish workers instead of non-Jewish workers. And then the third thing where it says that Al-Tabasich and Yisha, so again, it's talking about your wife and the reason that we know it is because it says Ha'isha. But then he comments and he says, what's the reason so he says, he says, the reason is, is there's something to a woman who's a nida, a woman who is a menstruant woman, knows your wife who is a menstruant, you shouldn't have sicha with her because it's going to come to hergal avera. You're going to get, to, you're going to transgress the laws of family purity, the laws of the harchakos, of the separations between husband and wife, and you're going to end up committing a transgression. Um, and then he explains that that, that that applies obviously to your wife. Um, and, and how much more so to other people. The, but, but it seems that that's not what the mission is talking about. The mission is talking about even a woman who is tar, a woman who is pure, and that it's saying that, that you shouldn't be tabasicha. So it, it becomes a little difficult to understand 
what the Batanur is saying, that it's Dafka Ishto Nida. Let's take a look at these three pieces, because the three pieces that are in the Mishnah are, are complicated. Let's start from the very beginning. Yibeischah beis vad, your house should be, um, a, should, should be, I'm sorry, a, a beischah pasuach l'revacha, a house that it's open to the, to the street, basically, open to, open to people. So that's a very difficult thing, because we know that a house is meant to be a protective, protective thing. The reason we put a mezuzah on the door, we put a mezuzah on the door so that we remember that when we come into the house, we have to leave the stuff of the street behind. It's a boundary, it's a barrier. A bias, a house, is meant to, to be able to demarcate, to be able to differentiate between what's going on outside and what's going on inside. And therefore you have to leave everything on the outside. And then when you go out from the house, the mezuzah is a reminder to take God with you, to take the good stuff and to bring that with you from the house and to bring that, to bring that outside into the rest of your life. But we're not trying to live lives that's open to the street. We want to be private. And we don't just want to be private because we put up curtains on our windows, but we want to be private because we don't want the street to invade our home. We don't want the noise of the street. When I say the noise of the street, I don't mean the noise of power tools. I'm talking about the, the noise of the street, all of the, the values that are out there in the street that we're trying to filter out. We, that's why we have doors. Our doors filter out all that stuff. We don't want that in our houses. So why would you say that, that, that a, a Jewish value, an ideal is, that it should be pasor vacha? If you wanted to tell me that I should have a lot of guests, and that's a Jewish value, so then tell me, have a lot of Jew, have a lot of guests. That's not what it says, though. It says it's a specific language of pasuach lirvacha. It has to be opened up to the to, to the to the masses, to the multitudes, and and bring people into your house. Why would you want to do that? That's problem number one. Problem number two is again, what's the connection between the three pieces here? What does your house being like the house of of Ron, poor people working for you? and um, don't speak to women, what do those three pieces have to do with each other? Problem number three is that what is Aniyan B'nai Beischa, that the poor people, notwithstanding the Bartonura's understanding of this, what, what does that mean? If, you, if it's telling me that you, we want you to give tzedakah, I want you to have poor people in your house, so tell me that poor people in the house, tell me to give tzedakah. And, and if you want to tell me to give tzedakah, put that somewhere else, put that above a basra, Put that in a different track date. Don't put that here. It's going to do pretty obvious. It's not an ethical. It's not an ethical thing to give stock. Is of course an ethical value, but it's not. It's not something that pretty obvious has to talk about. Remember, we talked about that. If it's in pretty obvious, that means that it's something that's fundamental to our existence as Jews, not necessarily from a halachic point of view. Anything that you see in pretty obvious that looks like a halacha, I told you what. There's one place where it talks about that you have to be careful with davening and don't make your davening a fixed practice. That is not talking about having kavana during davening, because that doesn't belong here. That belongs in brachas. So if it's here, it's here because there's some ethical, there's some value-based thing that's being taught us. What is that, what is that, uh, that suggestion that's coming through that aniyam should be b'nei b'secha? Okay. Altar b'secha imayisha. Altar b'secha imayisha. Let's think about that for a second. You know, it, it says, um, what does that mean? When other comes, we have to increase our joy. So what do most people think automatically when they say that? Oh, you got to be happy in other. That's not what it said. It said you always have to be happy. And in other, you have to increase your joy. It doesn't say, It's, It's, which means simcha is the given, and then you have to be marbin. 
So when the Mishnah says, that means that there is some level of sicha that goes on between husband and wife. But we can't be marbe. We can't do too much of it. Well, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable? What's too, what's considered marbe? What's considered too much? What's normal and what's considered too much? My fifth problem. What's sicha? Oh, talking? I'm in the middle of Ulpan now. As far as I know, talking is lidaber. Right? Dibur. That's sicha. To give a sicha, it's like to give a speech. It, it, that, that's what it, that, that's the way I, I would think that it's used. Some other kind of way. But a dibur, it's a conversation. Why are you telling me, putting it in terms of sicha, al-tabah sicha? What's the sicha that I'm not allowed to have too much of? It's, it doesn't seem that I can't have more of dibur. I can't have too much dibur. It doesn't seem I can't have too much other kind of interaction, but it's a sicha interaction that the mission is trying to warn me against. What's that? Goreim <clears throat> ra'a, that if I talk too much to my wife, it's going to cause me bad? Really? Could, could one ever talk enough to one's wife? What does that mean, goreim ra'a? It's going to cause evil. Now, I understand also that Mishnayas were really written for men. So, you know, maybe there's some like really bad hidden meaning here. I don't know, like some, some, some negative attitude towards women that's coming through here. Okay, number seven. <clears throat> it says that it's going to cause me bittel Torah. So think about that for a second. What's bittel Torah? Wasting time from the study of Torah. That's bittel Torah. It's the worst transgression that a Jew could do, by the way. The worst transgression. If you have something, something to do, and you could be learning Torah, and instead you're doing some other nonsense, not, we're not talking about doing something else important, but we're doing something that's really really just a choice. It's really just a, a, a nonsense. But you could be learning Torah. That's called Bittal Torah. Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, vacation. It doesn't mean leisure time. Leisure time is important to be able to, full, to, to, be able to, to re- um, fuel oneself to be able to continue on doing what you're what you're meant to be doing. Leisure time is a very important structure. It's a very important part of the existence of a, of a Torah Jew. But there's a point at which it's no longer leisure time. There's a point at which you can now be returning to your studies. And if you don't return to your studies, that's bittul Torah. Well, why is it that sicha? If you have this this sicha with your wife, so then that's that's going to lead you to bittul Torah. Anything that's not learning Torah is going to lead you to bittul Torah. It's not just sicha, sicha with my neighbor. Sicha with, sicha with, with somebody on the street is also going to be bittal Torah. Right? Watching a football game could also, could also be bittal Torah. So, so what does it mean that, that don't talk to your wife? Because that's going to lead you to bittal Torah. Anything that's not learning Torah is bittal Torah. So what's that, what's that message? And then finally, it says that talking to your wife too much is going to get Gehenna. First of all, we don't talk like that. Don't do that because you go to hell. We don't talk like that. That's not Judaism. We, don't, we never talk like that. We never say that, this, oh, every once in a while we throw in, you know, Yoresh Gehenim, you'll, you'll get Gehenim. Just let, I want you to understand it's really bad. But, but we don't, that's not the way we talk. You know, when I teach the laws of family purity to Hasanim, I teach them, you know, the way it appears in the Torah, whatever, and I always teach them about the concept of kares, the concept of extirpation. And I say to them that this is the first and the last time you're going to hear this, because that's not the reason that we keep these laws. 
it's got nothing to do with the fact that they are subject to karis. It's not why we keep them. We keep these laws because God wants us to keep the laws. We don't, we don't focus on that. Oh, don't do that because you're going to hell. We just don't talk like that. So why would the Mishnah, again, we're, we're trying to shore in a broken nation. Why would we talk like that? And Sicha is going to get you hell? Really? Like that's, that's the quid pro quo? Because you had too much Sicha with your wife, you're going to Gehenna? Ah, stop that. That's not, it's not a capital crime that you would get Ganon for. It's not something that's going to destroy your soul that way that you're going to get Ganon for. What in the world does that mean? Okay, let's see if we can build this up a little bit. And I'm praying that I'm going to be able to do this in 15 minutes. Because the first thing that has to be understood is that this Mishnah, and if I step away a little bit from the way we explained yesterday's Mishnah and look at it in a little bit more of a general sense, these Mishnayas are talking about building a house. In yesterday's Mishnah, we talked about how your house has to be your house has to be opened to the um, it, it has to be um, a house that is a gathering place for the sages. It has to be, um, you have to sit in the dust of their feet. You have, to, you have to drink thirstily of their words. Your house has to be a house that's conducive for learning. But the, and then in, this, in today's Mishnah, we're talking about that it has to be open to people. And that it's got to be, there's got to be poor people in there. And that there has to be the right kind of atmosphere inside of Kedusha and Tara of holiness and purity. So I think that before we move on, we need to talk about what a bias is. What is a house? A house, first and foremost, is what's called a rishus hayachid. It's a private domain. What defines a private domain? So what defines a private domain is what is called mechitzos, walls. If you have a public highway, that's a public domain. And then in the middle of that public highway, there is a house. In that house with four walls, or even a mound that is a certain size, it's as if it has walls around it, that becomes what's called a rishus hayachid, a private domain. A private domain doesn't mean one person lives there, but a private domain means that it is blocked off from the street, blocked off from the public. It's got mechitzos, it's got walls, it's got barriers, and it separates itself from the public. The truth is, an entire city could be called a Rishus HaYachid. That's the way we make Erevin on Shabbos, without going into too many details, but the way we make an Erev on Shabbos is that string and pole that exists around the city is a small part of the Erev. The major part of the Erev is, is the fact that everybody in the city joins together to become one unit, to become one entity. And what those walls do is that they create everybody inside of that city as being one cloud with many protein, with many pieces, but it becomes one unit. It's not about the amount of people that are there. <clears throat> it's about the fact that there are walls and barriers 
And once you have those walls, everything that's inside is joined as one. If there are no mechitzos, you could have one person in a field, but he's in a Rishus HaRabim, he's in a public domain. You can have walls, and you can have a thousand people, and it's Rishus HaYochid. It becomes a personal private domain. Step one in building your house <clears throat> is Yibeischa Bezvad. Is that your Rishus Hayachid, your private domain, has the week of Torah. As we talked about yesterday, when you walk into a Bezvad, like you walk into a perfumery, it sticks on you. Step number one to building a house is that your house has to reek of the atmosphere of Torah, of the atmosphere of Kedusha, the atmosphere of holiness, the atmosphere of godliness. Once that happens, then it can be Pasuach Levacha. Then you have an entity in your home that is now capable of receiving more people. Because now, as people come in, your home has a definition. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. This is what it reeks of in our house. And therefore, when you walk in, you become part of that entity. Avram Avinu had every single nudnik in the world inside of his tent. He had idolaters, and he had deniers, and he had people that could care less about God, people that denied God. Everybody was a guest inside of Avram's home. How could Avram be, makes, be so dangerous? How could he live so dangerously? Bringing all of those influences into the house because his house reeked of God. And once it reeks of God, once its foundation is godliness, now it's ready to bring people into it. When it's not defined, bringing people can destroy a home. It can destroy the very nature, the very foundation of what the home is. But when the home is founded on principles, and the home lives by those principles, it's now able to, to collect and to be able to bring in others. A house is ma'achid, all the individuals. Happens to be that a woman has that ability greater than a man. The Gemara says that God gave 10 measures of speech to the world, and he gave nine of them to the women. So nasty degraders always say, that's why women, you know, women speak so much, that's why they talk. Don't be stupid. It's not what Chazal is saying. What Chazal is saying is, is that the koach hadibur, the power of speech, the ability to be able to communicate, that lies in the koach and the power of a woman. And therefore, she was given ten measures, she was given nine of the ten measures of speech because she knows how to utilize them and can utilize them in order to be able to be ma'achid, in order to be able to bring together all of those all of those individuals. <clears throat> Marriage flips a person from a person who is focused as an individual to a person who is now focused as a cloud. A hostile takeover 
is that I take you into my home, I take you into my philosophy, and I make you me. And that we become one, but we become one because one of us has become diminished. One of us has become lost. That's not building a bias. Building a bias is, is that you come into my bias, you come into my home, and together we stand committed to the same things. Me perhaps doing it my way, you perhaps doing it your way, but our foundation is exactly the same, and that's how we become a cloud. A cloud is not a bunch of people that each have their own direction in life. A cloud is a bunch of people that are committed to exactly the same thing. They might have their different ways of doing things, but that they are united in the sense that they are committed to exactly the same thing. What marriage does is that it adds another person committed to what I am committed to, and together we build a house on that foundation, to what the two of us are committed to. And that now allows us, once we have mechitzos, once we have walls, we have a definition, once we know who we are, now we can bring other people into our home and we can include them in our bias. You know, when a bride and groom get married at the Shavagrachas, that we say, you should build a bias neman Yisrael. Why don't we say you should be happy? You should have a, you should have a, you know, a nice life together, become a good couple. We say, we talk about it in terms of bias because that's what a bias is. A bias is that the two of you should remain committed to the same values and ideals and build that life inside of those mechitzos, inside of those boundaries and walls, you should build that together. That's the definition of marriage. That it's taking our one and widening it to include another and together we become one. An inclusive one not a hostile takeover one where one disappears because it's swallowed by the other, but that the two together become one whole. We create our space, and now we can bring other people into it. You know, a lot of times, people relate to their kids as extensions of themselves. And that they worry about their kids, but they're really worried about themselves. And this is a conversation for another time. But you can see this a lot of times, and I speak as an American, you can see this on the soccer field. In my shul, many, many people, they had Baruch Hashem at a Sunday league, many people, uh, many people put their kid in the Saturday league also, but that's another story. But many people put their kid in the, in the Sunday league, and, and soccer was like a huge thing. You go out to the soccer field, and you see... Some of the kids are running and playing. And then you see some kids are like, you know, counting the clover leaves and they're looking up at the sky and the ball comes near them. They go run in the opposite direction. Like they are not interested in being there. This conversation is what takes place when a parent says to the child, I enrolled you in soccer. Child says, why? I want to do ballet. So no, you're playing soccer. But, but I don't want to play soccer. You're going to love soccer. I loved soccer as a kid. You're going to love soccer also. Kid goes out and he's miserable. 
And mom says to the kid, it'll get better next week. Mom doesn't have the kid's best interest in mind. She sees her kid as an extension of herself and she says, I want for my kid what I had because I know it was good for me. Not looking at the kid saying, what's good for the kid? What's good for this child? What's going to be best for this child? I remember once I had a Rebbe, very, very, very yeshivish. And, and he got a set of drums for his kid. That's, like, that's weird. It's just weird. And he encouraged him. He got him a teacher because he realized that this kid had an incredible amount of energy and he needed, he needed the outlet. It happens to be the kid has turned into a, in, into a very well-known principal and, and a very well-known mechanic. But if it wasn't for his father, training him the way he needed to be trained, this kid would have been lost forever. Unfortunately, a lot of times, it's really worried about ourselves, not worried about our children. I worry about them for what meant to be is that I worry about them for the sake of them. How do I learn that? How do I learn how to treat my kids for the sake of them? So bring Aniyam into your house and worry about the Aniyam for them, for their well-being. Aniyam should be b'nei beischa. They should be like your children in the sense that just like an Ani, you're not worried about him because of you. You're worried about him because of him. You care about him because of him. And when you see that, when you get trained yourself, how to worry about people because of them, not because of me, not because of what it does for me. Unfortunately, marriage doesn't always teach us that because a lot of times, unfortunately, marriage is based on the following principle. It's called, I love fish. What does that mean? That means you ever hear a person say, I love fish. So a person doesn't love fish because if you loved fish, you would take it off the hook, you'd throw it back into the sea. What you love is you love what fish does for you. I love the way fish makes me feel. Unfortunately, many relationships are based on that also. I love the way you make me feel. I love the way I feel around you. Not I love being with you because of who you are, but I love the way you make me feel. That's talking about the love of me, not the love of, the, of another. That's why bring Aniyam into your house. Bring the poor people into your house. They smell. They don't have anything. They have nothing to contribute. And yet you're looking at them and saying, what's going to be best for you? That's the way you learn how to do that to your children. Now that you've got that, now how do you relate to your wife? You have to see your wife as your completion. A man and a woman have to see each other as if they complete each other. They become one. And if that's the case, don't treat her like an object. Sicha is a low-level speech. It's a, it's a speech, a flirtatious kind of speech. Don't leave her on that level. She needs to be elevated. You need to see her for herself, for how unique she is. Not for what she does for you, but how unique she is as a person. And if that's the case, the mission is teaching me how to build that home. First, put up the mechitzas. Second, make sure it smells of Torah. Now that it smells of Torah, now you should, now you can bring people in. Bring people in that you're going to be focused on their well-being and now turn to your wife and to your children and focus on them for who they are. If you don't, 
You know what's going to happen? It says, you know, a person says, this girl is for me. I'm going to finish in one minute. So this, this woman, this girl is a girl for me. Right? This girl was good for him. So it's Gorim Ra La'atzmo. The him that he was trying to make happy, it's going to cause bad for that him. It's not going to make him happy. If you're all about taivas, if you're all about desires, you're all about fulfilling your own personal needs, there's no room for Torah. And a person like this is empty. A person like this is going down. Yorish Gehenim. Because he's going down with nothing. That's what the Mishnah means. I don't know I did that last part very fast. I'll try to maybe just say it over again tomorrow a little bit slower. But that's what the Mishnah is teaching me. How do you build your house? Make it reek of Torah, put up walls, and now you're ready to bring everybody else inside so that you could focus on them, not on you.